ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. It's tragically poetic. I think that life is a series of good things but also a few potholes for you right now. Fucking potholes, all right. Potholes Sorry, is that life. the going, not going to film? Good. <laughs> Are we ready to bang on? I feel on? like I come in like a tornado every week with some new drama. It's just embarrassing. I think we all do. Broken, battered, ready to bang on. Bang. 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 Bang on. Good morning, Dan. <laughs> Hello. I shouldn't say good morning because people listen to this at any time of the good day, day. Whenever you like. Good tidings. Good day. You look great. Fine, sir. You look beautiful and Thank kind you. of psychedelic in a planty way. Thank you. I've got scabs on my knees because I fell over oh, again. Mate. I think I've rep- I fell in a hole that I created in my driveway. This with is my not car. this is not a metaphor either. You literally just I, fell in a hole and, on the way into Bang On. Today. And I feel like I've done my ACL again oh. after eight weeks of recovery. <laughs> Finally, at the tail end. I'm devastated. I've got. I literally have scabs, and my stockings are sticking. Oh. It's like I'm in primary school. My stockings are sticking. You to need me. some Macura comb. I do. Ah! Just pulled it off. Oh, mate! I oh, know it's good. Life is great. Welcome, Bang Fan. <laughs> and if this is your first time joining us on Bang On, we do always talk about our injuries if we have them. Music, art, life, and stuff. But a lot of Bang Fam have been checking in with you because. Um, this has been something that's been plaguing you, and I'm so sorry that you just fell in a hole. Mm. I think that you haven't done it again. I reckon it's just triggered Fear. something, but I really hope you haven't. But just think positive. That's all I can give you right now. Oh. And maybe some Mercura Chrome. I know. That's all I can give you. I was looking forward to the new life, you know, turn a new leaf. <laughs> I'm moving to Brisbane in a, in a week, and, you know, I was looking forward to getting up there and just going, okay, fresh start. I've had eight weeks of hell. Fresh start. Smelling the frangipanis. Yeah, no, I won't be walking anyway if this continues. Anyway, anyway, all good. We'll be right. My brain still works. (laughs) I mean, it does. It's debatable. Yeah, it does. It's been a very big time um, for everyone and including people who have got injuries. This is a terrible segue to talk about the Matildas. I know, I liked it. I see what you did there. Uh, It's been a huge time for football. Can I just Segways are your Achilles heel. (laughs) Is that, that's another, that's another... Metaphor, sporting, it's injury. It's terrible. I just have to do it. It's in the blood. But it is a very exciting time because the FIFA Women's World Cup is on right now, as we know. And good Lord, the Matildas are absolutely smashing it. And good Lord, people are turning up to fan sites, switching on their tellies and breaking records. Did you hear this? On Monday night, the huge match between Australia and Denmark broke a record for live television. The average audience that night was 3.56 million people. Across free-to-air and streaming, they got 6.54 million tuning in, but the average is 3.56 million. Do you know what that is? That's 16% more than the AFL grand final. Unbelievable. So Unbelievable. Good. It's so good. I get goosebumps thinking about it. For all those people who say, people don't watch women's sport, the stats are there, mate. They They're sure all there. do. The world is changing. And I love that. It feels exciting. It feels like we're on the precipice of something. And I know my mate Kirsty, who's one of the EPs of sport at Channel 7, has been a huge advocate for women's sport. She was actually an EP of women's sport here at the ABC for many years. And she has been putting these on, broadcasting them. And I just, I can't imagine her sense of joy and relief at finally being able to go, this is what people want 
and the numbers are there. And once the numbers are there, everything changes. Everyone who's been involved in this campaign too knows that. And it was interesting to speak to a few of them because you and I were at an event on Tuesday uh, where there was a bunch of different people from FIFA and from the sporting world. And I sort of said to them a couple of times, well, bloody done. And they were like, yeah, everyone's caught up. They just had that look in their yeah. eye. They weren't smug, but they were grateful and excited and stoked. But they were just sort of like, we knew this. We had the faith. This is what we've been working towards. And now everyone else has caught up. And it's exciting to see. And I particularly think about the legacy this leaves and the tens of thousands of young girls who are watching this, who are screaming at home, screaming in those stands, then going along to their local clubs and saying, I want to join up, I want to play football as well. Yeah. And you know what? The crowd sound sounds different. I don't know if you've noticed. Someone Mm. was making this point on social media and I, I can't remember where I read it, but they were saying there's so many more women in the audience. The actual crowd sounds different. And that's huge. I mean, you can get rid of those drums. Whoever's doing that, stop it. I don't mind it. the drums. No, nah, not here for the drums. But the crowd noise. You get flashbacks of bongos, don't you? I do. Bongo man at the campsite. <laughs> not letting you sleep. With fire, fire twirling. Yeah. Fire twirling as I Some come out of my champa, tent. Just nug champer and patchouli oil just <laughs> sifting into your nose as you try to sleep. My 90s. That is the aroma <laughs> of the 90s. I don't need to go back there. Um, but, yeah, it's um, it sounds different because there's just more people involved and younger, younger women are going, young girls are going, getting to see something that perhaps they never imagined would be so huge on a global scale and, and they could be a part of. I've heard a lot of people talk as well about the vibe of the crowd, not just in the sound of it, but there's no one heckling, no one saying awful things, mm. racist, sexist things. There's a lot of love. There's a lot of positivity. And that's really amazing to see as well. I got to see the France-Morocco game on Tuesday night. In oh, you went, didn't you, after Adelaide? the conference in yeah. Adelaide? Yeah. How was it? Talk it, me through it. It was amazing because I'd gone to the friendly um, before it all kicked off, which was at the um, huge stadium, Marvel Stadium in Melbourne. And that's massive. Like it's, a, it's an AFL stadium. So mm. I was quite far away. But this was at the high Marsh Stadium in Adelaide, which is a proper football, as in soccer football stadium, and it was way more intimate and the energy was incredible and I could actually see the players and see the looks on their faces. And I mention that because the Moroccan team um, are history makers. This is their first ever World Cup. They're the first women's team from the Arab world to make a women's World Cup. And I got really emotional seeing them sing the national anthem and having it. And it's a banger, by the way. Such a good national anthem. Great drums. Better than ours. What a dirge. <laughs> but but it was amazing to see the pride and the excitement as their national anthem is blasting out to, you know, thousands of people in the stadium and, of course, millions of people around the world and watching that game. And it just reminded me as well of just the global force of football. There's nothing else like it. There's billions of people who play it around the world, who love it, who watch it, who engage with it. And it's kind of wild when you think about it that Australia in the Southern Hemisphere, away from a lot of the football scene in the Northern Hemisphere, mm. is getting to host it. It's exciting. Yeah, it really is. And I, we were discussing... And New Zealand, I should say. Of course. And we were discussing too the other day, even if you like sport or not, even if you think there are certain structural issues and problems with sport, particularly with things like AFL here in Australia and um, the difficulties for for women moving through those ranks and and getting the credibility that they deserve. Through sport, though, real change happens in terms of things like changing the availability of women's toilets in sporting venues, that kind of thing. That's actually on-ground change that allows for greater accessibility. And if these things happen 
quickly now because of the huge success of this. Uh, it's it's incredible. Sport is politics, it's power, it's community, it's access, it's culture, it's all of those things. Yeah. And sometimes we talk about that kind of art versus sport um, conundrum about funding, but I think that we've seen all the good things that can come out of this, particularly for women in the world um, as we get to host the, the Women's World Cup. France did smash Morocco. They are an amazing team. Um, I think they got about three goals in, in 25 minutes and they're going to be the next team to play Australia this Saturday at 5pm. <sighs> so I can't wait to see that game as we head towards the quarterfinals of the FIFA Women's World Cup. But you pointed out a really great piece that Van Baden yeah. wrote for The Guardian, which I think captured this kind of excitement and also the the feeling that, you know, some of us of a certain age and we're kind of of the same era of, of as Van Baden haven't felt before, right? Yeah, yeah. And there's a beautiful line in this piece. It's a beautiful piece. It's called Between the World Cup and Barbie, we're finally having an honest discussion about girlhood. And it was the sort of opening couple of paragraphs that, that really grabbed me. Van Batten wrote about the tears that came the night the Australians beat Canada in the Women's World Cup. And and it wasn't just the relief and, and the joy of winning. It, it was something else that she experienced. She wasn't crying about the game. She wrote, what had me reaching for tissues was brief cutaway shot of the crowd broadcast at some point between Razo's first beautiful goal and her second beautiful goal. The camera had found the faces of some Australian girls, maybe 11 years old in the stands. They were decked in Australian green and gold colours, cheeks and foreheads smeared with matching paint. They were exuberant with fandom. They were excited at being on camera and they were cheering, roaring, climbing over one another in their plastic seats, exhilarated by the women's game and unafraid of what it meant to show it. And... It's called this thing Anamoya, which is a nostalgia for a time or a place that one has never known. Oh, Isn't that beautiful? I love that. And, and Van Baden's written, to see the wild thrill faces of those girls was to remember the euphorias of my own girlhood that sadly never got to include howling through a game of top flight international professional women's football. I longed to yoke their present to my past. And that's that I really, really related to that because I remember being – a, a, a kid growing up with three brothers, I desperately wanted to play footy. I desperately wanted to see women playing sport and I wasn't allowed to. Like we we had to stop. There was no footy league to join. There was nothing. And yet footy was the backbone of the small country town in which mm. I lived in. So you were relegated to netball, which is fine, but that was women's sport. You were never allowed to be a part of, of what I saw is actually very intrinsic to the centre of the town, the heart of the town was men's sport and I couldn't have a part of that. And I I just thought that was a beautiful thought. I wished I'd had that in my past and I'm sure you did too because you probably weren't allowed as well. Yeah, I played plenty of netball but there wasn't anything else available to me. Mm. I did a little bit of mixed um, football when I played in the Community Cup um, in Melbourne but that was terrifying because the men were very big. (laughs) I think that we had like um, the we had a circle. There was one year that we the women just stayed down either ends of the goals, and it was only women allowed in the goals, which absolutely infuriated the men because they couldn't get anywhere near the goal. <laughs> and then another year we were just in the centre, but it was just like a bog because it was the middle of winter, so we were just basically in a mud pit. I think these days is a little bit better, but yeah, those sort of um, avenues don't exist until now with the rise of the AFLW, yep. um, with the rise of, of course. Uh, women's football and yeah it's just it's it's a changing time and it's beautiful to experience it and mm. it's a bittersweet piece that 
that Van Badham has written um, on this incredible feeling, this intensity feeling, and also girlhood. There's yeah. a really great capture of what girlhood means and the way that we behave when we feel safe and don't worry about what other people are thinking and how they're watching. And she sort of talks about seeing the faces of these girls in the crowd who are I think she mentions that line, sugar and spice and all things nice, which is a horrible way to describe girlhood, when really girlhood is as rough and as loud and as boisterous as boyhood. It's people screaming and and yelling and getting rough and tumble and Mm. kind of losing themselves. And you can see that in the crowds at these um, big football games, which is amazing and a great reminder that... Uh, there's there's not this segregation of how people should or, or do act. Yeah. We're all kind of in the throng together and we're celebrating that at this moment. Yeah, it feels good. It feels really good. And it's it's giving me life, it's giving you life and so many others. And I'm, I'm just, yeah, I'm really wrapped. Go Tildes, for the win. We have a shot and everyone is behind you. It's so, so exciting. Do you reckon we'll win? I reckon we've got a good shot. Yes. You can't underestimate the power of... Tens of thousands of people screaming for you in a stadium. That's good juju. That's good vibes. Bring it on. Mick, you sent me a really fantastic piece from the wonderful Atlantic titled, What Did People Do Before Smartphones? Ian Bogost wrote it and he's written a tagline, No one can remember. (laughs) This is a brutal piece. It is brutal. It connects deeply. Well, the thing is... What Ian is positing is that we we deride smartphones for the fact that we can't spend a minute alone and we're always on our phones and we're always connected and that's not necessarily a healthy thing. But then he goes, how about you just remember what we used to do when we didn't have them? And I think the answer was sweet FA and we hated it. And he reminded me of how much, yes, we did hate it. Like we would do things like read the back of a milk carton <laughs> uh, or read – the contents of our cereal box or read, oh, pamphlets that used to come in. I mean, I know we all looked at the Kmart catalogue for a reason, men and women, and that was lingerie and undies. but Fawn-coloured undies, <laughs> not even sexy. No, exactly. It didn't matter. I mean, we didn't have the internet for porn, so that's what we were looking at. Um, but, yeah, we just read those catalogues because there was nothing else to do. And... He's kind of right. There is nothing else. There was nothing else to do. <laughs> He's kind of decrying this alternative argument that we are beholden to our phones, that we're addicted to our phones and we're swept up in this world of being mm. in our phones, but says that the alternative of literally being so bored that you have nothing to do, <laughs> that things take time, like having to print out maps before you leave the house, <laughs> that you have to print out your photos when you use your mm. digital camera if you can even afford one. Um, email comes to you at your desk and you don't have access to that. I think that's something that I kind of like from the past. Yeah. But, yeah, it's kind of funny to to read this and remember it because I found this a little bit I, – I agreed with it, but also the moments where I put my phone away and look around and actively choose to do it because I feel kind of overwhelmed are the moments where my brain breathes – The boredom that you feel when you have nothing to do, which is very rare because you're almost always in your Mm. phone, is where you solve the problems. It's where the creativity comes. It's where you sift through that mess of your brain, which if you're anything like me and Miff, is an absolute tornado. And it just settles and you go, okay, here's where I can make sense of it, minority report style. Mm. And so I didn't agree with that. I like having that space and I feel like he didn't really go into that in the article that having that brain 
breath that brain baths from your phone is a good thing, that being bored is a good thing. But I think he's also suggesting, though, we didn't ever get that brain bath because we were always looking for something else to do. <laughs> like he's like, I'd be sitting there, you'd be at the doctor's surgery and you, would, you wouldn't get that brain bath because you'd be looking at the trash mags and finding out about some royalty in a country you've never heard of wearing some you know, specific type of shoe. From five years ago, very, the doctor's very, surgery. Very relevant information. <laughs> well, you know, he talked about free alt-weeklies, which is talking about street <laughs> press, and you used to be the editor of street press, and that's one thing that I am sad that has gone by the wayside in this mm. rise of digital media and phones, because how many times did you pick up an impress or a beat mm. or an express or a brag, yeah. whatever part of Australia you're in, there was in almost cafe. always That's what you read instead of looking at your street phone. press. And you got to see, well, first of all, the photos from the club to see if you could find yourself um, with the amazing fisheye lens. That's right. Uh, of the weekend before. You got to find out about gigs that you didn't necessarily know was on. Yep. You got to read uh, some great interviews, got to see reviews of CDs mm-hmm. when actually choosing to purchase music was a thing. I'm sounding very old, aren't I? You are. But this was like something <laughs> I that love it. I, I loved that about it. It's about discovery. And yeah. again, it's that same idea, which is about everything that we do, where we're funneled through an algorithm, an algorithm. of that's our own thing. choice choosing. Yeah. And there's no element of surprise and unknown. And that's, for me, where often the magic happens. It can be frustrating when you don't get what you want, i.e. you don't have your phone, but also not getting what you want, mm. you get something that you never saw coming. And I think that's a good thing. And also, too, in terms of culture and having things to hang your hat on, we all grew up watching just any kind of trash TV because it was on. So we have that bond, even though it's not necessarily a good bond, but I can say days of our lives and you're like, oh, yeah, of course, Victor Kiriakis and, you know, such and such and you can make jokes. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's Victor, Jennifer Aniston's dad, by the way. I have about Victor for so long. <laughs> R.I.P. Something just um, tickled at the back of my deep, deep subconscious exactly. there. But there's stuff like that. I've got you... his moustache in my brain right now. I know. And you know that some evil is about to commence. Um, but those sort of things we have connectors, you know, and these days because of the algorithms we're very much in our own little little isolated world there's less of that monoculture i guess it's very in, it's in terms of what other people are referencing and and i think that's really interesting we were always connected if i said go ricky go ricky you know exactly <laughs> what i'm talking about whereas i'm just not sure that's happening now because we're all looking at our own things that are relevant to us and um, even when we are wasting time. Well, the point he makes is that we were always looking for something to do. Even if we didn't know what it was, we were always killing time, Mm. just as we are in our phones. And I think he's flying the flag for not demonising use of phones and social media. He's basically saying all those moments where you picked up the back of a cereal box, you flip through an old magazine, uh, you watch something on free-to-air television just because there was nothing else on, you were just looking for a way to kill yeah, time and yeah. it's the same thing. Oh, and the other thing was you, you mentioned street press in the 90s where I worked. We also used to smoke at our desks. So <laughs> that was a thing you did to kill time too and that wasn't necessarily very good. It was a time. I cannot tell whether this article is satire or not. I, I thought know. it was a great read. I'll put it in the show notes. I wanted to give a little side bang too because talking about technology, I watched a really fun movie last week at the Melbourne International Film Festival, and I mention it because it's opening everywhere nationally next week. It's called Blackberry. 
It's about <gasps> the BlackBerry is phone. Is that in the film festival? It is, but it's opening everywhere yes. Thursday the 17th Can't of wait. August. Can't wait to see uh, a film Did you about... ever have a BlackBerry? No. Because you weren't a professional. I wasn't a professional <laughs> and I didn't have to send emails 24 hours a day. Click, 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 click. Did you click. ever have a beeper as well? No, I never. There was, <laughs> there was a phone I'm not a doctor. I don't need a beeper. <laughs> If people heard beepers, I was like, you're such a wanker. I think it's cool, but you're such a wanker. That was for the person who had already had keys on his, <laughs> hanging from his jeans. Because so, it was always a gentleman, I hate Keys to say. on the carabiner. Yeah. A little pager clipped onto pager, the belt. That's it. Because someone, someone answering your calls because you're so important and they send a little message through. Hi, can I speak to such and Oh, can you leave a message for such and such? And you get do, 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 do. And that little text, that oh little digital God. text. Well, the Blackberry watching the film reminded me of just how basic it was. It was very simple text, but people were obsessed by them. And it's the story of the rise and the fall of the Blackberry, which I didn't realise is a Canadian invention. This is a Canadian film. It's got a very Canadian sense of humour. I would say it's about 20 minutes too long, but other than that, I loved it. But it goes very much from really funny to really quite dark. (laughs) Um, As you see, it just sort of diving into um, the ocean. And the way that it ends is in 2008 when the iPhone is introduced. What a time. And BlackBerry was done. Anyway, it's opening. I just want to do a side bang. It's really fun. If you love old technology... Um, and speaking of which, yes. oh my God, did you see that a first gen iPod has just sold in the US in pristine mint condition? How much would you pay for a first gen iPod in its box? Uh, I wouldn't know how to use it, so n- nothing. <laughs> I never had The never wheel, had the one. clicky of the, the wheel. Clicking wheel. I found it all very confusing back in the day. 29000 US dollars. No way. In the box. In the box. This is the story. It was originally bought in 2001 as a Christmas gift. And someone just didn't open it, so it's remained. Well, they in... probably couldn't. Was it in that plastic that you can't open if you, unless you've got like a? <laughs> they didn't have the good a machete or a secretaires, garden secretaires. So it's remained in the packaging, and then it's been discovered when um, the family have basically done a bit of a clear out. Uh, childhood home has been cleared out after the passing of the father of the family, and they've gone. Hang on a minute, what is this? <laughs> it's twenty-two years old, and they've sold it. And the weird thing about this story is that initially the sale was orchestrated by a platform called Rally and they basically enable shared ownership of unique assets of tech memorabilia. So initially this iPod, a single iPod, was split into 5,000 shares at $5 US each and then a private collector acquired the shares and now owns it. It seems very convoluted to buy a classic. It's like... But if you're buying a classic car, you're not buying a share. Or maybe no, you are. I don't know. I don't know this world. That's ridiculous. We don't need you. <laughs> Just sell it. Put it up on Facebook Marketplace. Get it on Gumtree and do done. your business. Get it done. <laughs> Oh, no, don't put it on Facebook Marketplace. You'll get a million people who don't want to buy it. They just want to take your money. Did you ever have an old iPod? Like I, an early one with the click and the basic text in that old Apple writing? No, I, I could never work out how to use them. I didn't have one. I had a weird one that Triple J released for a minute. Oh my god. Yeah, I've probably still got that like somewhere. Like a J player or something. It was something. a J player. Oh my I had god, I totally forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, but I didn't really use it to be honest. So I never did. I I only really got onto the iPhone, the first iPhone, which I still have somewhere, I think, but it's certainly not in mint condition. Oh my god, amazing. Mm. I had I went through all the iPods and the the Nanos and the one that you clipped oh, on. Oh, you had the Nano. Yeah, the one that you could clip on your um, <laughs> your lapel like a little mic. 
Because, you know, you can't live without music. My God. I can't live without music. <laughs> it's so funny, though. Don't, don't let me spend a moment without music. I'm like old mate well, in the Atlantic. I can't be bored. You can't be bored. You can't be with your own mind. Don't, don't leave me alone. <laughs> Hello, Andrew speaking. Hi, Andrew. It's Zan and Miff. Hello. Hey, Zan. Hey, Miff. How are you going? Good. How are you? Yeah, great. Where are you at the moment? Uh, Wadjuk Land in Perth. Unreal. Now, Andrew, we're calling you up because you wrote us an amazing email where a couple of weeks ago we were talking about some marine biologists that were investigating whether bundles of cocaine dumped by cartel, allegedly. All the big issues being dealt with here on, on Bang On as well, may I add. <laughs> were being eaten yeah. by the sharks and changing their behaviour. And this was part of a documentary that was airing on Discovery Channel in the US. But you, we kind of caught, were wondering whether this actually had happened because they seemed to have um, inconclusive evidence. And that's where you came in, Andrew from Perth. You are a marine well, biologist and you can clear it up for us. Well, yes, that's true. I'm a biologist. I'm not really a shark shark expert, but I fished for a long time um, when I was up in uh, North Queensland studying up there. And, um, yeah, it's true. You know, sharks explore the world with their mouths and, you know, where there's lots of things getting thrown into the ocean in that part of the world for various reasons, mm. um, you know, they're going to come along and, you know, if they, can, if they can investigate what it is with their mouths, they'll bite into it and, you know, it might be just a... A drum of olives or a lump of fiberglass or something or other that's floating around, but occasionally they'll bite into something that might be um, loaded with coke. So, um, have yeah. you have you seen a shark that was high? No, no, <laughs> not uh, not high sharks. No, but certainly very inquisitive sharks. You know, they'll they'll come along and bite on um, you know like floating. Uh, yeah, like long line fishing floats and things like that in the ocean. So, uh, yeah, they're just curious animals. And I suppose every now and again they um, they come across something that blows their mind. <laughs> literally, literally. Yep, yep. You also shared a very interesting story about an experience that um, you had in the mid-1990s in Kiribati. Tell us about, well, first of all, where Kiribati is and, and what happened while you were on the yeah. job. Okay, so yeah, I was working over there. We we're growing oysters for the um, people over there to grow pearls, and um, you heard this story about up in one of the northern islands of Kiribati, there was um, a barrel washed ashore, and they opened it up, and it, it was a white powder, and yeah, their experience white powder equaled powdered milk, right? And so yeah, they were mixing it into their t- coffee and tea as a whitener, and also yeah, putting it in babies' bottles and um, yeah, serving it up. So. Yeah, it was uh, yeah pretty pretty wild experience. So um, I don't know if they got to the bottom of the barrel or, um, or <laughs> You'd not, want more but, if uh, you did. <laughs> was yeah, everyone yeah. okay? Did anyone suffer any any health issues? If you're talking about I babies in the, the barrel, yeah, no, I reckon that they would have. Uh, yeah, if the babies yeah can't get to sleep for three days, I reckon that would stop them <laughs> using it quickly. <laughs> oh and, my uh, god! Yeah, but, um, yeah. caffeine oh. withdrawals would be bad enough, let alone uh, yeah not having any more of that particular whitener. Yeah. Andrew, your experience in the field is like nothing that we've ever experienced no. ourselves before on Bang On. We appreciate your expert mm. uh, analysis of the situation. <laughs> Thank you. When we got no this worries. email about the cocaine shark and, oh, I've got some ideas for you, <laughs> it's absolutely made our day. 
Yeah, yeah, they're um, yeah, they're doing some crazy things out there. So um, yeah, I guess as more plastics are in the ocean, they'll be biting into more and more interesting things. And every now and again, um, yeah, bad things will uh, will eventuate. Just wondering though, given the the extent of how many of these packages are floating around in the sea, is there is that the reason perhaps why you became a marine biologist? <laughs> <laughs> no, look, Neff, um, yeah, I predate all of this stuff really being uh, being a thing. I predate the internet, so um, I don't think I would have had the information available to be able to <laughs> make that decision, um, but probably not, you know. Well, thank you for through. emailing us, Andrew. We yeah, loved hearing from you. We know you're Bang Fam too because you were at the Barossa Valley when we did Bang On Live at uh, Grapes of Mirth a couple of months ago, yeah? Yeah, that's right. My wife and I, we flew over there and we had a great oh, time. Oh, that's so great. And, um, yeah, had a ball. We were right at the front there and it was a very special day for us. Unreal. Well, hopefully we'll be bringing Bang On Live to Perth sometime soon. That'd be good. Bloody love to. Yes, that'd be awesome. Need to find a few packages out in the water <laughs> before we can afford to come Stop. to Perth. Are you trying I'm, to get us fired? I'll, <laughs> I'll no, I'm just saying that it might current. happen. <laughs> like, just wash up online. Wow. It happens. It does happen. I, and I just love that we've got members of Bang Fam that are professionals as well. Like have, <laughs> oh, heaps. have actual titles like marine biologists. That's good to know. <laughs> Why are you surprised? This is a highly intelligent podcast, Miff. I don't know what you're talking exactly. about. Hey, Andrew, exactly. thanks so much for joining us. Yep, roger that. Thanks, eh? Hey. Roger yeah. that. Roger good that. on you, mate. Adios. Bye. Bye. Roger that. I love that. I love Andrew. What a legend. Just yep. also, that's the sound of someone who lives their life on the ocean. Mad chiller. Mm. Absolute mad chiller. Yeah, they've got a connection to something that we can never tap into. Here we are talking about our phones, wasting time on them. He gets to look at the endless deep blue. I'm actually shocked that he listens to Bang On. It must be so vacuous to him. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. Thank you to all our Bang fam. Highly intelligent professional people you all are. Correct. Uh, now, you are going to be having a little adventure next week. So Bang On is going to be on a bang break just for a week. Mm-hmm. I'm doing a road trip to Brisbane. Uh, the cats are already there. The dog is coming with me, Vivian, and it's going to be uh, quite a drive because I'm relocating up there for a little while. Oh my god! I know. I'm, I knew about this, obviously. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going <laughs> Bad up to. Bad acting on uh, my behalf. Yeah, I loved it though. <laughs> um, I'm going up. Uh, apparently, the weather is great for things like injuries in your knee. No, I'm not. That's not the reason why I'm going up. <laughs> it makes it sound like it is. No, I'm just going to go and relocate. My my partner's up there, so we figured it's time to give it a go. And I'm looking forward to it. So if you see Miff in the West End or in New Farm or walking across the Story Bridge, say good day. Yeah, I'll be around. You'll be walking the dogs. I've got a lot to learn. It's a whole new city. I mean, I've been to Brisbane a million times, but I don't really know Brisbane. And I'm looking forward to getting to know getting the city. To know you. Yeah, and finding all the good places and, you know, hot tips appreciated. Well, we've been doing Bang On remotely uh, over the years here and there as we've been zipping all over Australia. So there will be no break to Bang On except for next week when you're literally relocating. And we'll be banging on again, uh, Melbourne to Brisbane style, in a couple of weeks. Until then, what are you banging on about this week? Oh, my goodness. I saw a most magnificent film at the opening of the Melbourne International Film Festival. And I I was so blown away by it. and And I've been thinking about it. Ever since, um, it was an extraordinary film, and it, it's from a Melbourne woman, a young Melbourne woman, a new director, uh, someone that you will be watching absolutely. Her name is Nora Nayasari, and it's her her debut, her her full length debut, and it's a story. It's called Shader, and it's the story of an Iranian mother and daughter as they um, they're basically in 
they have to go to an Australian women's shelter. It's in Melbourne, but it could be any city in Australia uh, in order for the mother and, and the daughter, I guess, to escape an abusive relationship, uh, an abusive father. And it's an amazing film. It's incredible. Um, it's beautiful. It's it's devastating. I, I don't think I've watched a film where I, I hadn't, I didn't. I feel like I didn't breathe for the whole time because of the anxiety. And you know, if you watch films for any other reason, it is to to learn and to you know. I think for some people, they need to to become empathetic mm. to people's plights, and and this does that absolutely. In the Walk most, in someone else's shoes in the most beautiful way. The most beautiful way. It was an extraordinary film. I I can't. It opens in Australia. September 28th, I think, but it's already won. Uh, the, the actress who plays the mother won Best Actress, Zah Amir Ebrahimi, and um, it won the Sundance Audience Award. So it really is something. It's a lot. Like, don't go in there thinking you're going to have a good time, mm. um, but it really is something and, and one of the most exciting debuts I think I've ever seen. End of September opens everywhere? Yeah. And oh, Kate Blanchett is one of the executive producers ah, okay. as well. So there's big names behind it too. And yeah. and, and the director was a winner of a, a director's fund as part of MIF. Yeah, right. Melbourne International Film Festival. So it's it's just really wonderful to see the progression and the development of these young directors with stories we've never heard here in this country. And it's uh, it's just exciting. It's like it's like with the footy. It's exciting. Yeah, I'll put the details of all that in the show notes as well. If you want to see, I think there'll probably be a few screenings left for the Melbourne Film Festival as well. What are you banging on about? Only murders in the building. Oh, they're back! Delightful. There's another murder in the building. Oh, what a surprise! <laughs> well, it's in the title, isn't it? There's actually a very funny That's moment all that for that. Happens in the building. There's only murders in the building. You go, I don't want to give away anything, but the first two episodes um, kind of upset that and then confirm that in the most wonderful <laughs> ways. And we would have seen, you would have seen already that the two big stars that are joining for this season are Paul Rudd and Meryl Streep. And good lord, this is going to be fun. I love Paul Rudd. I have for years. Obviously, Meryl Streep, the goat. Just want to watch her act forever. But Paul Rudd often plays like lovely guys, and he plays an absolute asshole. Oh, I love in this. that. And also. Also an arsehole that's been kind of like a, um, a a sort of teen movie star and then also a, almost like Marvel hero star as well. Uh, and there is two roles and he's trying to break it on Broadway. And it's very, oh, very this funny. This is great. It's, you're going to love this. So the centre of it all is, of course, the trio that we know and love, Steve Martin, Martin Short and Selena Gomez. It's set in that wonderful Upper West Side apartment in New York City, which we love to see and all of their interior design. But it's just such good writing. Like there's so many zingers. Yeah. And you're the one who put me onto it in the first place in that kind of classic storytelling. But still it feels fresh and sharp. It mm. feels very 2023 while also having the hallmarks of great old school television. And they just keep on doing it. So I, two episodes just went up on Disney Plus in the last couple of days. Um, and I think they're going to be then releasing new episodes every week. And I am going to be once again appointment television watching Yay. Only Murders in the Building Season 3. So Love it's it. awesome. That's it. We're done. I'll see you on the other side yes. of your road trip. Have you got a few motels planned? Have you get ready to them eat, yet. I've eat got to find where the dog in friend, the bag? I can't wait to eat the toast in the bag <laughs> and have have a can canned spaghetti on toast, continental and a pi- breakfast, and a pineapple juice with that little paper cup that goes over <laughs> the top of the glass, or a bit of plastic over the glass if they don't have that paper cup. Uh, and also hygienically sealed toilet. for your protection. Mm, I toilet. thought you were about to say for your pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> what? 
Well, enjoy the motels of the East Coast and um, we'll see you on the other side. Any hot tips for dog uh, motels on that? Dog-friendly motels on that drive-up would be most appreciated. DM Miff or hit us up in the bang box and I'll forward it to you. That'd be great. That's what we do. Um, Love you. See you in a couple of weeks. Bye, babes. On. You get flashbacks of bongos, don't you? I do. Bongo man at the campsite, <laughs> not letting you sleep. With fire, fire twirling, yeah. fire twirling as I some come out of my champa, tent. Just nug champa and patchouli oil just sifting into your nose as you try to sleep. Oh, my 90s. That is the aroma of the 90s. I don't need to go back there.